feta cheese, yogurt with honey, and a drink that turns cloudy with ice. This week, we're in Athens, Greece. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson, host of Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. Each week, we go to another great foodie destination and tell you all the great things to eat and drink there. Athens is known for its ancient temples and Greek gods and great thinkers like Plato and Socrates, but we're paying a visit to fill our bellies with Greek food culture like Greek yogurt, feta cheese, olive oil. They've all made their way to tables around the world. And let's not forget Uzo. But first, let me remind you to subscribe to the Destination Eat Drink podcast. You can get it at all the different podcast distribution centers, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, and the rest. Hit that subscribe button and a new episode will appear on your phone, tablet, or computer every Friday. Magic. Constantine Kalfakikos is a radio DJ, a writer, and a food tour guide for culinary backstreets. As a native Athenian, he knows all the best places, from the stand with the best souvlaki to the top wine bar in the city. So let's talk to Constantine and get the down low on Athens. Destination Eat Drink. Constantine, Greek food is undergoing this huge renewed popularity in the United States. And we'll, we'll talk about Greek food shortly. But first, I think Athens is really an underrated destination. Tell us about some of the can't-miss attractions when we come to visit your city. Number one, of course, it's Acropolis. It's on everybody's bucket list. But uh, food in Athens is great and uh, is experiencing... A new, um, actually, it's a revival. People have gone back to basics. Uh, well, the Greek cuisine generally is simple, but not uh, simplistic. It's rich in um, ingredients, but uh, ingredients in a Greek recipe will be from like 10 to 15 maximum. So people have gone back to tradition uh, during before the crisis, actually. People would go for international cuisine. They wanted to show everybody, well, we have money, uh, we do international cuisine, we like uh, this and that and fancy stuff. But now they've gone back to tradition and uh, you can see that everywhere in Athens, people have started um, appreciating or um, respecting their ingredients. So it has gone back to basics and um, that's the... The most uh, good thing about the Greek cuisine. Constantine, you brought up the crisis in Greece, and I think for a lot of Americans, we often still have that in our brains that this is what's going on in Greece. And when I talk to people about Greece, they say, "Oh, isn't it dangerous to go there? Or isn't it, you know, um, isn't Greece not in good shape?" Tell us about the state of Greece right now, and what would you tell a person who said, "Oh, I'm afraid to go to Greece." It's very safe. Um, we never had troubles, of course, in 2009, 2008. There were some riots, but uh, everything is great again. And even during the crisis, people weren't grumpy. 
during the crisis, actually, people revaluated what is important to them. It wasn't about driving fancy cars, uh, wearing uh, branded clothing. It was all about the community, sharing your money with the people that couldn't afford a beer or a dinner with you. So you would treat people and people became more warm. Uh, the whole crisis period, I would say it felt like a Mexican telenovela. Lots of drama <laughs> and uh, 10 years going on. But uh, once we hit rock bottom, everything is great. And this past summer, the stock market uh, was doing record highs. So everything is um, more vibrant than ever. Your tour groups are once again filled with happy tourists. Constantine, you lead tours at Culinary Backstreets. Tell me about some of these different tours that you offer and what people can expect when they go on one of these tours with you. Well, in Athens, uh, we have five different walks. The downtown walk, which is the fairly new part of the city, the Placa Walk, which is the area surrounding Acropolis, and back in the ancient times was downtown Athens, as on the sides of Agora, people would do trading, give lectures and speeches. On Tuesdays, we have the Keramikos Walk, where we visit one of the best farmers' markets in Athens. Uh, we have the Sunday Walk, which is a more laid-back and relaxed walk, as Sundays in Greece, and especially Athens, are non-working days. It's the day of the family, uh, the day of the week that the family can get together. So those uh, walks, the Sunday walks, start later than uh, 9.30, like weekday, uh, week, the weekdays ones. Uh, and we also have the afternoon version of the downtown walk. So every walk uh, works as a great um, opportunity to scratch the surface and go deep into the Greek culture explained through food. Because food is culture by itself. It's connected to all aspects of life, from religion to politics. And uh, as a universal human need, it's the best way to discover the culture of a country. I'm especially interested in the market day tour. One of the first things I always try to do when I visit a new city is to go to the market and look at what the farmers have piled up um, for sale, what kind of spices they have, what kind of different vegetables that they have that I'm not familiar with, and I can find out, okay, this is kind of what this place is about based on what kind of produce they're selling. When we go to a market in Athens, what can we expect to see and what can we learn about Greek culture by visiting one of these markets? Well, visiting uh, the municipal market of Athens, which is one of the highlights of the downtown walk, uh, on the meat section, people can see uh, what types of meat Greeks uh, consume. And also, they can see that the Greek products, the Greek meat, it's more expensive than the imports because it can come free range or when it comes from farms, it's higher quality. In Greece, we never had a food scandal like the mud cow disease. So it's sustainable and uh, more ethically produced. When it comes to the fish, section of the municipal market, uh, people can see that all fish, uh, the catch, depends on the season and the weather conditions. Uh, because when it's windy, bad weather, small fish won't be caught because they swim very close to the surface. 
And uh, when it comes to the fruit and vegetables, people can say, what is plenty? That's definitely in season. And uh, that makes it sustainable, but also dirt cheap. Uh, right now, pomegranates um, at the market are one euro per two pounds. This is a steal. And uh, also my guests are impressed by some stuff that we grow in Greece and they didn't knew, like kiwis, mangoes, avocados, or bananas that they come from the uh, island of Crete, the last south of Greece. There's bananas in Crete. Isn't that interesting? Of course, it's fall right now, so pomegranates are in season. What would we make with pomegranates that would be a traditional Greek dish? Well, pomegranates can be used on uh, salads, any green salad, or make it uh, juice. Uh, most of the times when it comes uh, to food, we make it a salad uh, because it's a um, sweet and sour taste makes any green more interesting. Um, and it's um, actually it has become very, very popular um, the past 10 years as a superfood. And ancient Greeks were consuming lots of pomegranate as uh, it was uh, a symbolic item connected to the, re the rebirth of nature, uh, the myth of Persephone and Demetra. When we visit these markets, is there one big market that we would go to that's the most famous one or one that you like the best? Well, uh, the biggest market in the city center, it's the Varvakios Agora that was built in 1886, and it operates six days a week except for Sunday. Constantine, Greece is known for its cheeses, and for Americans, we know feta cheese. But tell us a little bit more about feta, because I think it's quite different in Greece. And maybe talk about some of the other cheeses that we can try when we're in Athens. Well, feta cheese in Greece is always made of 30% goat's milk and 70% sheep's milk. That's a regulation. The milk has to, uh, has to come from specific breeds of animals. And in Greece, as this item is a PDO product, only mainland, north and south, and the Greek island of Lesbos have the rights to name it feta. The rest of the country can only call it cheap and go to milk cheese. Going to the supermarket or any cheese shop, there's a counter with all the hard cheese and an extra counter, a separate counter, dedicated to feta cheese because the texture and flavor of feta cheese varies on the season and the place produced. So Greece regulated feta by 1996 because countries like Denmark and Germany uh, were taking advantage of the name feta and they were calling their production feta cheese. And it was made of uh, cow's milk, which is poor quality, unsustainable, unethical, and the uh, cheese is very, very salty. Uh, when it comes to the hard cheese in Greece, like feta, about 90% of it is sheep's and goat's milk. And uh, the animals are free range. And uh, this thing creates the need to pasteurize their milk. So we lose in variety of cheese because um, we pasteurize the milk, but we balance it because the same cheese 
from region of region to region of Greece who taste differently because what the animals eat gives different milk and different textures and flavors on the final item. Um, a very good flavorful cheese is Graviera, made of sheep's and goat's milk. It can be found um, all over Greece, um, mostly on Crete Island. That's the best place that produces um, Graviera. And it can, uh, it can be found from three months of maturity up to five years. The five-year-old cheese, Graviera, it's safe even for a lactose intolerant because there's no lactose in there. And uh, as it gets older, it becomes more peppery, spicier, and dry, like the Italian Parmesan. You mentioned that the feta is a designated protected food item, which means it has to, in order to be called feta, it must be produced in certain regions. And to me, this is one of the great strengths of the European Union. People complain about this and that about the European Union, but to me as a food person, having these geographic des designations is a huge strength because, like you said, people can call feta, anybody can call feta if they're in Denmark. And in the United States, we don't have such protections. So if you go into the grocery store in the U.S., you will see feta cheese that is produced in the United States. And there is no rule that says that they cannot call it feta. Well, people can always look for anything that's been named feta and buy it as long as it's made of chips and goat's milk. It's going to be the closest to the real thing produced in Greece. Uh, unfortunately, um, yeah, many countries still take advantage of the name feta, like uh, Australia. Um, last week, I read an article about Australia taking advantage of the feta naming and... Um, I think it was Roquefort cheese. And recently, Greece allowed Canada to call the production feta. It's something about trading. So probably Canada gave something back to Greece, and Greece um, allowed them to call the production feta. So it's going to be funny if the Canadians start exporting feta to the U.S. <laughs> right. What about dairy? Dairy seems to be a very popular thing in Greece. What about Greek yogurt? We hear so much about Greek yogurt in the United States, but what is actual real Greek yogurt? And how do Greek people, people in Athens, typically eat this? Well, in Greece, we name it just yogurt. It's not Greek <laughs> of yogurt. Of course. It's the regular <laughs> real thing. Uh, any type of yogurt that's been flavored uh, with uh, any flavors or it comes with fruit, we name it a dessert based in yogurt. This is how we separate them. The Greek yogurt, it's always made with culture and culture gives it a more uh, sour uh, taste, a more, um, it makes it more tart and refreshing and uh, it has health benefits because when you take strong antibiotics, one of the side effects is that it kills the good bacteria in your stomach. So they can, re they can be replaced uh, with uh, new ones by consuming the culture and the probiotics through the Greek yogurt. So in the U.S., always look for Greek yogurt and look on the ingredients uh, for the culture. Uh, Greek company that uh, operates in the U.S. and they have the closest to what we have here in Greece, is Faye. There's some drama 
with those guys. I oh, good. That, uh, <laughs> I always like drama. We are Greeks. We invented a drama. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> so it has to be everywhere. Uh, so I read that on the news, what I'm going to tell you. And uh, one person of the fire company I had the luck to meet uh, confirmed uh, the story I read on the news. So Chopani, a Turkish-American company uh, that emerged some years ago, uh, they did great uh, on the Greek yogurt market. So the Greek company lost a big share on the market. So they went to court to stop Chopani from calling their production Greek yogurt because they weren't always using the culture. The Greek company won the case. And when they will finalize it, Chopani might be only allowed to be called it Greek style. In the U.S., mostly we eat yogurt in the morning for breakfast. When would I eat yogurt? What would I eat it with? Honey. Honey is the best uh, thing to pair your Greek yogurt because the real Greek yogurt, um, the traditional one, is a bit sour. So it makes a great combination with the sweetness of the honey. And in Greece, uh, in the summertime, many taverns uh, offer it on the house as a dessert to their guests, to their customers, uh, paired with um, honey and walnuts. Because in Greek culture, honey and walnuts stand for prosperity. And uh, also honey and walnuts will be offered to newlyweds on uh, the Greek island of Crete. Because what the couple will experience as married couple will be bittersweet stuff. Sweet as the honey and bitter as slightly bitter the walnuts can be. That's a great tradition. Honey seems to be incredibly popular in uh, Athens in Greece. What are some other dishes? Would we see honey just out on the table with every meal? Or what are some specific dishes that we might have honey with besides the yogurt? Well, one dish is uh, feta cheese wrapped in phyllo pastry, deep fried and served with honey, uh, sesame seeds, or uh, black sesame and um, feta. Actually, cheese makes a great pairing with uh, jams or honey. So this is one popular thing. And um, we also eat lots of pastelli, an ancient Greek treat that uh, they would prepare with sesame seeds and honey. It's the most healthy snack bar anyone can have because sesame it's a good source of calcium and honey uh, is a natural sanitizer and also helps you to deal with the allergies uh, you might be experiencing uh, during springtime. Consuming the honey made from the plant you are allergic to, it comes as a mild shock treatment for your system, for your immune system and helps you deal with your allergy. I read about something that people in Athens often eat for breakfast, a sesame bread ring, and you'll have to help me with the pronunciation, kuluri. Exactly, kuluri. Kuluri. Tell me about this because it sounds so interesting. When I saw pictures of it, I thought, oh, it's just like a bagel, but it's not like a bagel really, other than it kind of sort of looks like a bagel. Tell me about this. Well, kuluri, it's a ring-shaped bread. Uh, that is um, slightly sweet. They add a pinch of sugar in the dough uh, and bake it covered with sesame seeds. The Turkish version of this item 
Uh, well, as we were living together with the Ottomans for 400 years, we have many things in common. The Turkish version is the Simit, but most of the times the Turkish Simit comes dipped in grape molasses and the sesame is roasted. The Greek Uluri is plain and the sesame only baked. So it's a lighter version of uh, the Turkish Simit. And uh, in the municipality of Athens, about 80% of the street vendors take it from the same bakery, which is open 24-7. And guess what? That makes it a good choice for the drunk people to have it as comfort food. <laughs> right, right. After a night of drinking, you got to get some carbs and some bread into your stomach to soak all that stuff up. And Athens people have it in, in the morning too, I understand. Is that correct? Exactly. All the kiosks that they sell this item in the city center are yellow colored. So Athenians can easily spot out a Kuluri corner, grab one on the way to work and um, keep them alive till the big uh, lunch break or decent lunch break and huge dinner. I think another thing that's well known in the United States is the uh, gyro. Well, gyros uh, in Greek, gyros for the English-speaking people, right. uh, most of the times in Athens is made of uh, beef, uh, no, sorry, sorry, my mistake, made of pork or chicken, big slices of pork or chicken, one put on top of the other, uh, that comes flavored with uh, lots of spices, and there's also lots of grease dripping on the item. So they put it on a skewer that it rotates to be grilled. And uh, then they shave it and put it on the pita bread to make it a souvlaki. So if someone doesn't have a standard for gyros, I would advise them to not go any place they pass by to have gyros in Athens. Because they can cover up the poor quality of the meat with the spices and the grease dripping, uh, they can mask the poor quality, actually. So if you have a standard for gyros and you have good gyros, it can be heavenly. If you don't have a standard, you might have something bad and uh, you won't be able to say it was good or not. As it comes shavings, you don't know what this is. So many Athenians, when they visit a new place um, that they haven't visited before, a souvlaki place, they prefer souvlaki prepared with chunks of meat, which most of the times is pork. Eating the chunks, you can say how good or bad the meat is. And uh, the thing that rotates, made of lamb, in Greece, we name it doner kebab. Uh, in Turkey, kebab can be called anything that's been grilled. It's mostly meat, but you can also make kebabs uh, with uh, vegetables or fruit. Here in Greece, Kebab, it's minced meat uh, that uh, it comes in the shape of a long patty and grilled. If it comes on a skewer, it's siege kebab. And if it comes as shavings that looks like a giant meatball that rotates and the shave, it's the donor kebab. All these, all these types of meat can be prepared as a souvlaki. And the Greek souvlaki is meat, uh, the round-shaped flat pita bread, tomato, sliced onion, parsley, paprika, and many businesses, they prepare it with tzatziki spread. Tzatziki spread is made of yogurt, 
ground cucumber, ground garlic, olive oil, salt, and lemon or vinegar to give it some acidity. So the Greek souvlaki is the most healthy fast food anyone can have. All the ingredients are very healthy, and together they shape a full meal. You get the carbs through the bread, the protein through the meat. The, the dairy through the tzatziki as its main ingredient is uh, the yogurt. These are all meat-based dishes. How would a vegetarian do in Athens? Well, uh, the Greek cuisine doesn't exclude anyone. And uh, many places, they make souvlaki uh, with uh, chickpea patties or with uh, mushrooms. So anyone can enjoy a souvlaki uh, with vegetables even though that shouldn't be allowed to be named souvlaki, as souvlaki has to come with meat. Right. Uh, but it's a modern take on uh, souvlaki to cover all needs. And one of the latest food crazes in Athens is falafel, which is very healthy. Of course, it's not Greek, but it's a good trend, better than the cupcakes we had about seven years ago. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't exclude anyone. It's uh, cheap and very healthy. Let's talk about probably the most important fruit of Greek cuisine, and that's the olive and olive oil. Talk about the importance of olives and olive oil to um, the people of Athens and why it's used so widely throughout uh, Greek cuisine. The olive tree is connected to history of Athens. The city was named after Athena, goddess of wisdom. Because in Greek mythology, she had a fight with Poseidon, god of the sea. And uh, both gods offered people gifts. And through the gifts, they would vote who was the favorite as the guardian of the city. So Athena gifted people the olive tree. And people were smart enough to vote Athena over Poseidon as the guardian of the city. And she gave people the olive tree. So Greece is uh, number one country in the world in consumption of olive oil per capita. Uh, it's about 20 liters per person a year. And uh, on the island of Crete, the last south of Greece, people consume about 34 liters per capita every year. We have overproduce of uh, olive oil. And um, some of it is exported to Italy uh, by some regions uh, bulk to mix it up with theirs, upgrade the quality, uh, brand it uh, something new and sell it hot as exports. Of course, that is, that is a very, very few places. Um, Italian olive oil is also very, very good. So because Greeks needed to, to become more competitive when it comes to olive oil, they had to make a difference. And in the recent years, mm -hmm. Greece and uh, some very, very good producers is producing olive oil that has a health claim. Um, UC Davis, California, uh, did an extensive research about the health benefits of olive oil. That was 2008. And they found out that it has cardioprotective properties because uh, it has anti-inflammatory properties. It reduces the oxidative stress in the blood lipids, which means drops bad cholesterol. Uh, more universities now, they have done research using Greek olive oil, some in uh, vitro tests about cancer cells, 
and how olive oil can kill them. And also for Alzheimer's disease, breast cancer, and many, many other researches. So consuming olive oil, actually it's the most healthy fat anyone can have. And after these studies, these recent studies, now I can say why my grandmother was chasing me around the house with a big spoon of olive oil for me to consume before I would go out. She knew by, by tradition, by experience, that I should have some olive oil. But now science has added to that. It has confirmed what grandmothers in Greece have been doing for many, many years. Grandmothers have always been smarter than scientists. Of course. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Especially Greek grandmothers yes. that they dressed all in black like ninjas. <laughs> We're talking with Constantine Kalfakakos, and Constantine is a food tour guide in Athens for Culinary Backstreets. Constantine, let's talk about drinking in Athens. We Americans know about the drink called ouzo. Mm -hmm. What can you tell us about ouzo in Athens? Ouzo is a drink made from the skins of the grapes after they collect the juice of the grapes to make it wine. They use the leftovers and make it ouzo. Ouzo is a PDO product in Greece and uh, is a double distillation alcohol. It's about 40% of alcohol. It can be found up to 48% of alcohol. And on the second distillation, they flavor it with uh, some herbs, uh, fennel and star anise. And the star anise gives it its licorice flavor. You can say that a drink in Greece is ouzo or tsipuro, a single distillation alcohol, also made of grapes, and sometimes flavored with star anise. Uh, you can say that one of them is ouzo, or the Greek tsipuro, when it turns milky, when you add water or ice to it, because the molecules of star anise stay clear in pure alcohol. They only show when they make a reaction with the molecules of the water. So the Greek ouzo tastes similar to the Italian sabuca or the French pastis. And the Greek tsipuro, which is a single distillation alcohol, also made of grapes, it's like the Italian grappa, but it's more smooth and less acidic. I was going to compare it to uh, I was going to compare it to grappa and the other thing that I wanted to know Constantine was how does it compare with rakia because you are on the peninsula where Serbia is close by uh, Croatia is close by and these all these countries have rakia which is also a distillate made from uh, grape skins how is ouzo similar or different Well ouzo tastes similar to the Turkish raki. And uh, in the Balkan area and uh, the Mediterranean, we have many things in common. So they name it differently. Um, it comes with a slightly different taste because of the variety of the grapes. And uh, for example, the leftovers of the grapes in uh, Georgia, uh, they make it chacha, uh, which is uh, like fire water. Uh, so it's something we have in common. It's the same ingredients, uh, but with a different uh, flavor because of the variety of the grapes and the distillation processes. Another thing that I think about when I think about drinking in Greece is Greek wine. 
which I find is highly underrated. I did an episode a few months ago with Chuck Furare, who uh, was one of the writers of the sommelier test that is given to master sommeliers around the world. And his wine bar in Honolulu carries some of the most amazing Greek wine I've ever had in my life. And that's where I got turned on to the high quality of Greek wine. Is there any place in Athens that we would think of as a wine bar where we can go and sample some of the high quality Greek wines? Wine bars in Athens uh, have taken off. And that is because after the 70s, many young producers took over the vines of their parents, the land of their parents, and added science to tradition and upgraded the quality. The Greek wine, it's not very famous um, internationally because it's limited produce. And some producers, sometimes, when they don't have a good harvest, they won't put their label on the bottles to export. They give the bad grapes to someone else that doesn't mind going second best. So sometimes you cannot find um, a label that is your favorite because, well, the harvest depends on the weather conditions. Uh, but Greek wine is exceptional. It's uh, Some of the vines in Santorini are Asian crops and the Santorini wine is exceptional. I would advise anyone going to Santorini to go to the wineries to taste that exceptional wine and play safe with food because the pair the good wine with good food, as they want to complement it. As for Athens, uh, two of my favorite uh, bars, wine bars, is Eteroclito and Innocent. Uh, people can go there. The staff is so, so polite. They're going to guide them to taste what is closer to the liking. And uh, also people can name their price range. And those people, as experts, they're going to guide them. Any other drinks that we should be sure and not miss when we go to Athens? Well, I would say coming to Athens, just do bar hopping. Uh, Athens has one of the top 10 bars, bars in the world, two consecutive years. New York had one, London had three, Athens has one. And that's because of the quality of the spirits and uh, the recipes that the mixologies prepare. Uh, that bar is named Clumsies. And generally, in the city center, the quality of the drinks is very, very good. Uh, a daiquiri or a mojito is quite past, de uh, past tense, as now we are riding new waves of cocktails and drinks in Athens. And many, drink uh, many people in Athens uh, go for premium spirits, not just a simple gin and tonic. They have their favorite, which sometimes, most of the times, is a premium one. What about Greek sweets, uh, Greek donuts, and what are, what are some of the other sweets that we should sample when we're in Athens? A great Greek sweet is galactoburiko. Uh, many people mistakenly think that this is the Greek take on the Ottoman sweets, like baklava, but uh, this um, item is only Greek. Like baklava, comes with many thin layers of filo dough, lots of syrup, but they replace the nuts with a custard made of semolina, 
Semolina is a durum wheat, the wheat people use to make pasta, mixed with milk, eggs, vanilla, and uh, some fat, which can be butter. And it's the most flavorful Greek sweet anyone can have. It's a very, very well-balanced sweet for its kind. As the custard, it's not sweet by itself. It's going to be sweetened when they pour the syrup on the item right off the oven. Uh, another great sweet everybody should have is glica um, kutalyu. Uh, that translates into spoon sweets. Uh, this is uh, peels of fruit, unripe fruit, or sometimes vegetables or flowers like rose petals or small unripe eggplants that have turned into a candy. They take the item, do it many boilings in water and sugar, and uh, they do it low temperature and a uh, long time. So this way, the item won't fall apart to turn into a marmalade. It keeps its shape and it becomes a candy. And uh, these sweets are connected to Greek hospitality. Uh, because back in the times, someone visiting a relative, first and most of all, they will be treated these sweets in a small plate to enjoy with a teaspoon and water on the side. And uh, many people can replace the yogurt, uh, the uh, honey on the Greek yogurt with these sweets, chopped. Especially the rose petals is a great one. And uh, I would tell people to not be afraid to taste that, as it won't taste like dove soap, granny perfume, or talc powder. <laughs> Wonderful. I love the sound of that. That sounds really cool, and I'd love to have that chopped up in my yogurt in the morning. Um, Constantine, let's say I'm coming to Athens, and I say... Constantine, I want to take my girlfriend out for the most high-end, extravagant meal that we can do. Where would you tell me to take her in Athens? Well, I would advise you to take her to Funky Gourmet. Uh, Funky Gourmet is many years now a uh, top 10 uh, restaurant in the world, and they do uh, molecular cuisine. Uh, so they respect their ingredients, it's top quality, and the food might come um, in the form of uh, ice cream, a sorbet, or different sizes than what you expected. Um, it's an experience, it's something more than just food. And a good friend of mine that recently visited, I asked her, how did you like it? And she said, well, I had a dish made of beetroot and it was so simple but the way it was prepared it's a taste i will never forget in my life so that's a big thing told by a 35 year old that has uh, experienced taste buds oh sounds great on the other end of the spectrum constantine where would you say is your favorite hole-in-the-wall place, maybe a place that's off the beaten path that people wouldn't normally think of, but visitors could go and experience real at a real Athens community. Well, it's one of the businesses uh, we visit on the downtown walk, and um, it's a place that we go for Meze, that is on the midsection uh, part of the market, and there we have um, alcohol, which can be ouzo or the tipuro 
I mentioned before, paired with a small variety of food named meze. It's like tapas. And uh, when I am there with my guests, I see other people, other guests of the city passing by and uh, they don't uh, notice that there is a great hole in the wall that makes some exceptional lamp parties. And they come so flavorful. I like to call them Lamborghini. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, Constantine, it has been great to talk to you. But before we let you leave, um, you are a DJ on uh, radio in Athens. Tell us the name of the station. Is it possible to stream that station? Um, can we listen to you in the U.S. or do we have to come to Athens to listen to you? Well, I would say come to Athens to have a walk with Culinary Backstreets and Constantine. And uh, you can um, tap uh, www.joinradio.gr. Uh, Fridays, 5 to 7, Athens time. Uh, and listen to my radio show. Okay, great. We'll do that. I'm going to listen on Friday. And if we want to book a tour with you on Culinary Backstreets, how would we do that, Constantine? So you go culinarybackstreets.com, and there you can find all the cities that we operate walks in the world. And also, uh, tapping on the Athens section, you can read articles about places to visit in Athens and all the information about the five walks we lead in Athens. Do yourselves this favor. You won't be disappointed. All right. Constantine Kalfakakos, it has been a pleasure to talk to you. We very much look forward to seeing you on our next trip to Athens, Greece. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to having you as my guest and feed you like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> Perfect. I'd say Athens sounds like a hot spot not to be missed. Everyone is in such a hurry to get away from Athens to the Greek islands on their vacation, but don't skimp on Athens. Sounds like a great spot. Well, uh, that's it for this episode of Destination Eat Drink. The show is distributed, as always, by Ed Silla of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thanks, Ed. And with any luck, next week, I'll be talking with Kira Cook. She's the host of the TV show Islands Without Cars. I'm Brent Peterson, and I will see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink. A presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs>